This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Dave, let's take a trip today down memory lane. Mm, I'm not sure I like where this is going. <laughs> hey, it's okay. We're we, gonna end up a good place oh, here. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. We never did anything <laughs> foolish in our twenties. No, we well, didn't. Okay, that's, certainly you didn't. Oh, As a man. first child, you yeah. didn't do anything foolish. Well, it's unfortunately it's not entirely true. But let's do this. Let's go back to 20 year old Steve and 20 year old Dave. When they took their cheap Fenwick fly rods to Slough Creek in Yellowstone or uh, Big Spring Creek near Lewistown, Montana, and offer them some <laughs> advice, okay? Let's, All right, let's let's, let's go down memory All right. lane. So, Dave, here would be my first piece of advice to 20-year-old Dave. Dave, <laughs> your cutoff jean shorts are way too short. <laughs> and I'm saying to you, why are you looking at my legs, girlfriend? <laughs> Well, I'm I just noticing that the pocket in that pair of uh, cutoff shorts is hanging, hanging below, below the, the, the yeah the, the cut. Oh man! And those oh, white legs. Oh, I never could get I tanned know. legs. Oh, I was I had the blonde hair, and there's no oh, way I could ever get man. that. My skin would only burn. Well, here's something I remember about you. You'd wear this red bandana around your head like you're a. A rolling stone, like a rock star with, you know. <laughs> oh, man. And yeah. I'm like, why? You didn't have long hair. There was nothing well, beneficial. Did it, like, well, keep the sweat off yeah, your yeah, face? That, that's that's the story we'll go with. That was my sweat band. Oh, man. Oh, oh gosh, Steve. Grief. Oh. Well, I now... mocked you silently in my head, but I never told you. <laughs> Well, I never mocked you for your short cutoff jeans, shorts. Well, actually, who had the most dates, huh? I, I had the yeah, I had the same kind of cutoff. Probably if, if the pocket hung below the cutoff line, it's because I'm the one that cut them off. Oh, oh man! All right. Well, now that we have those unpleasant pictures out out on the table, but hopefully out of our minds, uh, what would you tell beginner Steve and Dave? That actually is a really good question. It took me a little while to think about this when you uh, sent over this idea for a for an episode. Great, blame me for it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would say that if I had it to do over again, I would get more instruction or formal instruction early on. Oh yes, I yes, really yes. wasted too many years uh, uh, as a do-it-yourself. Yep, I did too. And it could be because the sport was more nascent. And mm -hmm. there isn't the education, yeah. and obviously online wasn't there then, so you just couldn't pop it. I mean, to watch a video was a really big deal. Oh, yeah. So, But if I had it to do over again, I would have gotten more instruction early on. And I just, just even thinking about, I, you know, I don't say I wasted 20 years, but if I had to do over again, I would get, I would just, I would fish and I would get help. I'd get guides, guides to help me. Um, I would take more classes, and yeah. it would just mm -hmm. it would cut the learning curve. And I think there is a, we, you know, I've said this so many times. There's this hump you have to get over yep, as a as do. a beginner fly fisher, and mm -hmm. at the you know there's and there most people are a lot of people don't get over the hump, right? They go out because they they read a river runs through it or they watch a river runs through it. They have this romantic notion of it, so they start it and they go whoa. This is complicated, and it yeah. is in some mm -hmm. ways. 
And don't you think too, we were, uh, we were still trying to make that transition from being spin fishers, you know, fishing map spinners. And, yes. And we did well at that. That worked great. So it wasn't like... We caught like, a lot of fish on those little well, MEP spinners I know, that we you did. made. Yeah. So I, I didn't feel like, well, I have to become a fly fisher to catch uh, fish. Uh, but yeah, you, you're right. I, I look back too and I think, of course, not that we could have afforded it then. But, well, that's the other yeah, thing, but right? But if I could have taken some classes and you know yeah hiring a guide but even then guiding was in its uh infancy it really was that's interesting because we're talking we both uh disclosure here we both graduated from high school in 1980 so our you know our late high school years are late 70s and then our college years are in the early 80s and yeah a lot of the fly fishing stuff was still in its infancy and you think about the big names now that you know, you think about the Bud Lillies, the Craig Matthews, the Bob Jacklins, and, and I'm talking about the, the Montana area where we where we lived, even went to, to school. Uh, I mean, those those guys were just starting out then. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it wasn't like everybody was, uh, you know, knew Bud Lilly's name. It wasn't a household name then. Where, Fly fishing wasn't uh, ubiquitous. It wasn't no, everywhere. it wasn't. So, you know, that's what we'd say to our our 20-something selves, and I guess that's what we say to new fly fishers is, wow, learn as much as you can, uh, and boy, the the opportunities are great. Like you said, Dave, with, man, you know, YouTube videos, and uh, yeah, you don't even have to go buy a fly fishing video. You can find great stuff on YouTube. and Well, all the brands um, now produce content to kind of sell you Mm -hmm. on their products. Yep. And and so you can... (laughs) There's no need to pay for stuff. Yeah. You just go to you know Winston's site and you get to see the double haul by Joan yeah. Wolf, right? And she shows you different fly fishing techniques. And uh, it is a there is a wealth out there. There really is. So here's a second one, and uh, this is take a tip from Frankie Valley and fish all the four seasons. Say what? See what I did there, yeah. Frankie Valley and the four seasons. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I was I, a little bit oh, over my oh, head. Oh yeah, there. yeah, right. You just don't want to give me credit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but my point that I'm desperately trying to make is, yeah, fish all the four seasons or at least three. You know, I, I don't know why, but I just assume that summer was when you fished and even fly fished. And yeah, we dabble a little bit with it in the fall, but some of that was because I love to hunt. So, uh, man, when uh, fall came, it's hunting season. And I think it just didn't occur to me that on some of those you know, rainy, snowy days in March or April that, that the fishing would be just dynamite. So, uh, man, learn. Uh, yeah, I, I'd just go back to myself and, you know, at 20 and say, what are you doing? You know, get out there with your fly rod. This is a great day to fish. You know, this March 31st day, you, you might, you know, run into some, you know, a pot of rainbows that are moving up to spawn or, Hey, it's October fifteenth. Uh, yeah, fine. You're uh, you're out hunting pheasants, but uh, you know, take a few hours and take your fly rod out and you know catch one of those big browns. That's also the thing we always talk about when we go west in the fall. The fly fishing crowd does thin out greatly because people pick up their uh, firearms yes. and they mm-hmm. hunt and they and they uh, hunt deer and and waterfowl and they really drop fly fishing. And yeah. yet, it's some of the best time times of the year yeah we've had some terrific days in september and october it really is so what else dave i would say i would start nymph fishing earlier 
And oh, when I yeah. first started, and again, I've always given you credit for this. You're the one who introduced me to fly fishing. I picked up a fly rod and I saw the dry fly. And so my first few flies were the parachute atoms and the, uh, the caddis, the elk hair caddis. I see those and as the, the royal, two big ones. Royal the royal coachman Wolf. back in yeah, the day. Yeah, royal coachman. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Yep. And you had three or four flies. They were all dry flies. And, and now I realize those are attractor patterns. And so I wasn't fishing any of the hatches, really. And I was fishing again during summertime, mostly. And so it was, and they were always probably a size 12 or size 14. I wasn't thinking about, you know, sometimes fishing bigger, sometimes yeah. fishing mm-hmm. smaller, all that nuance. But anyway, so I didn't start nymph fishing until I was probably in my mid-30s. And I just happened, I had taken a, a friend fly fishing up into the driftless and got him going. And immediately he started to learn nymph fishing and he out, he outran me in terms of my fishing. And I, I started to nymph fish and I, I wish I had started that sooner. As we oh, all know, this too. you and I have said this, if we've said it once, we've said it 10,000 times. 80 to 90% of a trout's diet comes from beneath the surface. Yep. And mm-hmm. so if you're only fishing dry flies and you're committed to that, and a few purists are, and that's great. If you're only if you're committed to that, you're gonna miss out on a lot of fish. Right. And mm-hmm. and if I had to do over again, I would start nymph fishing earlier. How that's about you? a great point. Yeah, I would too. I mean, I I did the same thing. Well, yeah, you talked earlier about uh, you would. Uh, what was your first point? You said I'd get more instruction early on. I think what you meant is better instruction. <laughs> yeah, if I'm the one who taught you. Yeah, because that's all I did. I just I just fished fly, dry flies. That was about it. So maybe this next uh, thing that I would say to my twenty-something self is related to that. And it's this, study entomology and apply what you learn in biology and physics classes to fly fishing. I think there's a couple parts to that. One is, and I'll start with the last part first, I, I always loved the, the social sciences. I was, uh, you know, English literature, uh, you know, history, uh, you know, writing, journalism, that, that was my thing. And I, I just didn't, at least for me, I didn't see, well, what's, what's the point of biology? I'm not going to become a medical doctor. I'm going to become a biologist and, you know, physics. I mean, how is that going to help me write a, a book? But I realize now how much of uh, uh, fly fishing, you know, has to do either with biology or with physics. Uh, biology, dealing with the fish that you're catching and, and what they eat. Uh, physics, uh, dealing with uh, casting and and uh, you know all of the the surface tension, all of those things. I I think if somebody would have told me early on, you know what, uh, physics and biology is going to help you as a fly fisher, uh, that would have been a great incentive. I probably would have uh, paid more attention. I think that's especially true when it comes to entomology. Uh, I've I've said this before that when I took a fly tying class, that opened up a new world to me, and I learned more about fly fishing than I did about fly tying and I you know I've dabbled in fly tying over the years and I I tie flies but I'm I'm really mediocre at it and I'm fine with that but uh, that made me a lot better fisherman made me a lot better fisherman than a fly tire just to learn well what you just said a few minutes ago 85 to 90 percent of a fish diet is uh is under the surface I mean a a mayfly the life cycle of a mayfly is underwater for 
uh, 363 or four days, and then they're out of the water for one day. I mean, think about that. Yeah. And I, I didn't have any clue. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would tell my 20-year-old self, boy, study entomology. Take, you know, take a college class in entomology, and it's going to make you a better fly fisher. The physics piece, you mentioned that, and we've mentioned this before about uh, just the simple thing of the mechanics of casting. And I think, I think it was two, two falls ago when we uh, were talking to Curtis, one of the guides out of the Blue Ribbon Fly Shop in West Yellowstone, and he took us out. And it was a windy day, and we were fishing the Madison, and we were fishing nymphs. And I sucked at casting like I normally do, and he was trying to coach me to <laughs> suck less. And, but one of the things he said was, Dave, it's windy. You're casting into the wind. Why are you trying harder with your cast? It doesn't improve your cast. He said, by, by trying harder, you actually, your mechanics get worse. And so he said, you should not try harder when it's more windy. You should have your mechanics oh, that's down. That's so counterintuitive. It's so <laughs> counterintuitive. So you're mm. trying to lean into it and throw a little harder. And he said, no, 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 no just stroke it just you know do the cast back and forth and he had mm. these very specific tips but that's back to your your uh, physics piece i don't know if you learned certainly weren't learn that learn that in a, in a physics book but with right. casting somebody that I, i've known some people and some friends in montana that had a i think their high school physics professor uh, loved to fly fish and he actually talked a little bit about that so that's when you would really hit gold you know yeah yeah, yeah, Man, yeah. can you imagine how many, how well we would have done in <laughs> physics if we had a fly fishing physics instructor? Oh my! Oh wow, that would I be would something. Taking an interest in the I topic, know. yeah. What else, Dave? What else would you say to twenty-year-old Dave and twenty-year-old Steve? I would also say, Dave, stop consuming the sport. Huh? What do you mean by that? And it's the idea of going out and just mindlessly fishing because you want more fish you move from run to run mindlessly it's not i don't know if the opposite of mindlessly is mindful there's been a big movement over the last 10 years to be more mindful in business or whatever mm -hmm. but you know fly fishing is not a sport that i don't think you can consume it like mm. you do other sports. Yeah. But, but when you're young, you're just like, you know, fish this run. And maybe it's simply right. what I do now is mm -hmm. to slow down and really appreciate that this moment is not coming back to me. Mm. And, and yeah. catching this fish, I shouldn't just reel. Now, obviously, you should reel it in as fast as you can yeah. so, to protect the fish. So I'm not saying yeah. play the fish out. But enjoy it. Watch it. Yeah. Um, so you're saying savor the experience. Savor it. Maybe that's maybe. a good yeah. one. That's exactly what I'm it, saying. It's, there's an experience here. It's not just going out and catching fish. Yeah, rushing through it. Because if you think about it, the moments you're actually fishing are limited, given how many days a year you fish. But the memories of those limited moments are really for a lifetime. And it's just, I just think I've consumed too much of my life. I've consumed fly fishing and consumed hunting and consumed the things I love to do as opposed to really, really enjoying them and, and creating memories out of them. Wow, that's good. That's really good. How about you? Well, here's another one. And, and now maybe we're, we're getting into some of the micro adjustments. 
if I'm watching my 20-year-old self cast, and besides laughing at the, uh, the bandana, the red bandana, and maybe the, the cut-off shorts, I would say, Steve, stop false casting so much. You're scaring the fish. And then after I made the cast, finally, then I would look at myself and say, all right, mend your line. Mend your line. And mend your line again. And mend your line again. So, yeah, those are more in the category of micro adjustments. But uh, those are little things, but they're big things. You know, the the more false casting you do, and it's tempting to do it. You you pick up a fly rod. You want to start, you know, waving it back and forth. You want to start casting it. But, uh, boy, some of those, especially a a spring creek or a smaller stream, uh, you have to be very careful because, you know, the fish can see that shadow of your line and, boy, those those brookies that you think are so easy to catch, they, they just dart for the undercut banks. And then, yeah, mending your line, I don't think I had any con- – well, I had a concept of drag. I mean, even I could figure out as a new fly fisher, well, if my fly is going through – my dry fly is going through the, the surface like a – you know, like a water skier leaving a wake, probably not going to catch a fish. <laughs> but I, I don't think I realized even on nymphing and and even some of the dry fly fishing how important it is to, uh, yeah, to mend that line so that you reduce that drag. Mending is a big concept. It really is. And uh, the, the people who mend really well are very sophisticated. I, yeah. I remember a guide who one afternoon asked me for my fly rod and, and, and promptly doubled the length of how far I was able to cast this sage, my sage one rod. And he cast that thing over a hundred, I think it was a hundred feet. I mean, who knows? It was just a long ways. And then he began mending it. And there were probably, I don't know, four or five loops in that because of the different yeah, currents. Wow. When you're yeah. casting that far, the river is... It was across a bunch of different currents. And so mending is its such a big concept, yeah. and it's such a basic concept mm-hmm. to reduce drag and obviously ultimately catch more fish. And for those who are new to fly fishing, mending your line is simply uh, kind of throwing the midsection of your line, uh, at least on a simple mend, you're, you're just throwing that back up river so that uh, you know it's, it's coming behind your fly. You want your fly to move through the current first because if if your line is kind of out there in a straight line could well be that that uh you know that that midsection of your line gets pushed by the current uh first and then it starts dragging your fly so yeah if that still doesn't make sense just go to honestly go to youtube and and just google fly fishing mending and and you'll get videos on that that shows you what it is but you're right dave you can get sophisticated because you can have multiple men's in a in a line on a long cast. But yeah, I, I you know, even a simple mend is really effective and I, I just didn't know what that was. So if man, if I would have known those uh, those two things, uh, I wonder how many more fish I would have caught. Yeah. But, for sure, for sure. Well, any anything else? Maybe one more for each of us if you think of something else. I would probably say if I had it to do over again, I would have never started to golf. <laughs> and yeah. simply because not, golf is a great sport. There are people who, uh, there's fly fishers who do both, although I do think you tend to do one or the other. But there are some who do both, and they're very good at both and, and bully for you. But 
so looking back, you just have limited resources, limited time, and limited time to get good at one mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And golf is one of those uh, sports for a lifetime. And and uh, I didn't waste too many years on this, but I did start to golf in my early 30s, and then I golfed early days when I started my business because I felt that I needed to do that with other clients and stuff, but I was so lousy at it. And I realized, well, I need to, you know, during lunchtime, I should be hitting balls. And yeah. mm-hmm. and if I had that time back, I would probably put that towards fly fishing. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think it's a regret because yep. I didn't mm-hmm. waste tons of it. And I never got, <laughs> I never even got off the ground with golf, but even so I probably, uh, I probably not golf. Yeah. I, Focus I, on one thing. Yep, I get it. I get it. Well, my, my final comment to my 20-year-old self might be similar. And I, I'm here, I'm thinking maybe of my mid-20s self. When I moved back to Montana after, after college and, and graduate school, I, I, mean, I loved to hunt, and, and I, I wouldn't hunt less. But I would say to myself, 25-year-old Steve, don't spend all your time hunting in the fall and shooting gophers in, in the spring. So... My folks, as you know, Dave, lived, uh, what, 100 yards from the bank of the Yellowstone River in Paradise Valley. It's just, just a, amazing. Oh, it was a gorgeous place. And and I remember, uh, man, for the first decade that they lived there, uh, we, you know, we'd go over there, you know, sometimes on you know, weekends or holidays and Let's say if it's in April, uh, I remember going over usually every Easter Sunday in the afternoon and then staying for a day, and we'd go out and shoot gophers. Now, that was fun. You know, at the 22, that's kind of the sport in the spring if you if you like uh, to hunt. But I never, for those first few years, would uh, would walk. It just never dawned on me, hey, how to walk down to the river because the caddis hatch might be on. And... Uh, you know, the, the water's in beautiful condition before the runoff. Never even dawned on me. Yeah. And then in the up. fall, uh, you know, we would... Uh, bow you know, hunt? Yeah, we started bow hunting for elk in September. I love that. I, I miss that to this day. And we'd be doing that into uh, uh, like the end of, of October, and then it was kind of regroup for a couple weeks and rifle season hit. And... There were a couple of times when I fly fished. In fact, I should talk. Let me talk about one of them in a moment. But, uh, but for the most part, I, I was so busy hunting and, you know, shooting twenty twos at gophers in the spring that I just didn't, I just didn't get out. So I, you know, I, I made that correction before my folks moved. And uh, man, I had some great days on the Mother's Day caddis hatch over there. But. I do remember one time in the fall, in fact, I wrote about it in the first year of our podcast, uh, I wrote about the Hella Logger, and there was a guy, a young guy about my age, about our age, from uh, uh, northwest Montana, uh, up near Plains, I think Plains, Montana, and he he was a Hella Logger, so he would fly a helicopter uh, over uh, this area where they're logging back in some uh, remote country it was up Mill Creek, and he would, uh, you know, they, they'd fell a big tree, and uh, he would <laughs> lower the helicopter, uh, get it low enough that he could drop a chain. They, they would link it, 
you know, they, they would hook up the, the log, and then he would fly that thing away. I mean, oh, my gosh. I, I couldn't believe it. It seems so risky. Well, I know. And you all, you think about the money involved in that, uh, how much you must be making off of one of those big trees oh to be able to afford that. But anyway, he loved to fly fish, and there were some days where, for whatever reason, the logging crew couldn't get back into where he, uh, you know, where, where they worked. And so uh, my dad had gotten to know him, and he... Uh, he, he told uh, this guy, he says, yeah, my, you know, my sons like to, to fish. And he says, well, you know, next time they're down here hunting, I'll, I'll, I'll take them out. So uh, one morning we bow hunted, and then that afternoon you know, he, we floated the Yellowstone with him. And, man, I, I, was, I was so impressed. I couldn't believe in September that there were fish rising. And uh, it, just, it just made me realize, uh, man, I, I spent – too much time ignoring the uh, the great opportunities that you have in the spring and uh, in the fall, and we we've talked about that. Uh, I already mentioned that uh, you know fish all the four seasons. I really fish the three seasons: spring, uh, summer, and and fall, and and you'll do very well. Well, uh, that's a wrap, baby. It is. I think uh, what we would tell our twenty-year-old selves is good advice today for. Uh, new fly fishers so uh, hopefully you picked up something there and hopefully uh, uh, you know to stay away from red bandanas and cut off jean shorts <laughs> all right here's a, a memorable comment from rob uh, this is our great stuff from our listeners segment uh, rob commented on our recent podcast on how to plan a memorable fly fishing trip and he starts off by saying hello gentlemen keep up the great work uh, thanks rob he says, I stumbled upon your podcast late last year, and I have been enjoying listening to both the current episodes as well as those from early on. I now have most of my friends listening, too. Yay! Hey, thanks. That's really <laughs> That's cool. That's awesome. Man, we appreciate that. He says, on the topic of how to plan a memorable uh, trip, one of the things that I do is to make a checklist that can be modified. Uh, electronic is best. Depending upon the destination and duration of the particular trip, even veteran pilots use a checklist before every flight, and many of us are spending hard-earned money and even more valuable time off from work to pursue our fly fishing adventures. So taking the time to develop and use a checklist has proven to be an effective way to ensure that you do not leave any of the essentials behind, forget to finalize hotel reservations, or leave the bear spray in the closet at home. I use an app on my phone or iPad called Packing Pro, and I now have refined packing lists for all sorts of fun activities. Keep up the great work. Well, that's really a, a helpful quote. And, and I've been there and done that. I remember a couple of springs ago when, uh, remember my father-in-law in Idaho had passed away. And so my wife had gone out a couple weeks in advance. Well, I went out uh, for his uh, service, but on the way I stopped in Montana for a couple days and I I, I fished in Helena with our friend Doug and uh, fished the Missouri, and and I knew it was going to be cold, and, and I got there and realized, oh, I, I forgot to put in my long underwear. Well, I don't know what was going on in Helena, but I, I couldn't find uh, long underwear. What? Well, oh, here, I remember what the deal was. I got to his place late at night from Bozeman, drove from Bozeman, and none of the sporting goods stores, none of the fly shops were open. The only thing was like a Walmart so I went in Walmart. They didn't have any long underwear, so I, I had to buy these. Uh, uh, they, they were 
a little bit like well they pajama were bottoms pa- yeah kind of pajama bottoms they weren't really sweatpants so i i bought these black pajama bottoms and and made those work but i i thought to myself man why didn't i bring those well it's because i didn't use a checklist yeah you know it seems so patently obvious a checklist but it's not, you know, yeah. and I think for me, I cannot build a checklist at a single moment. I have to do it over time. Yes. And mm-hmm. I, I create the first draft and I add stuff yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. I delete. And it's so that's really good. That's a great, uh, just a great comment. Yeah. I think even, I'll take a look at Packing Pro, the yeah, app that you mentioned. I know. It's interesting. And uh, it could be really helpful. So thank you so much. All right. That'll do it for today. Hey, what big ideas do you have for uh, beginning fly fishers? Uh, you can respond by commenting on this podcast link at twoguysinariver.com. Uh, what tips would you give to uh, 20-something fly fishers, whether that's you back in the day or uh, maybe somebody that, that you know? What kind of things would you say that might be helpful? And thank you so much for referring our podcast, your TU chapter, Fly Fishing Club, your friends. Just so grateful for it. Uh, just just talk about us, and that's how we have grown. So grateful for that. That's what our listener did today, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, for was sure. Good. That was good. And we'd love to hear your ideas for episodes, upcoming episodes. Be sure to send those to us. Just instant message us or send an email to stevedave at twoguysinariver.com. And also, as we always say, and it must become annoying at some level, but if you haven't picked up our book, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, Life is Short, Catch More Fish, you can do so on Amazon. What? We wrote a book? Oh, hey, Oh, I forgot about that. Is it still on the New York Times <laughs> bestseller? Right. Well, well, maybe not. We'll have to check. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are two guys in a river. For the love of fly fishing.